0: What's going on everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Yankees podcast. I'm your host for this edition and my name is Amari Brown. We are going to be discussing everything that's happening with our New York Yankees who are just absolutely on fire as the Yankees took the first game of the Red Sox series. That now puts them at 16 of their last 17 games have ended in a Yankees win. So it's going to be really good talking about that. I'm going to be joined on this episode by James Scott. And uh, I know that's today, name that many of you may not know. James is the owner and the creator of Saber Scouts. And Saber Scouts is basically, it's a scouting website and a scouting platform that's going to allow better projections for players. So, you know, James is one of the first guys that I met that, you know, You know, talked about foot speed, talked about, um, you know, barreling the bat, barreling the ball with the bat and certain things like that. So I think it's going to be uh, just a great conversation. And I wanted to get James on here just so he could speak to, you know, this fan base about it, too. In addition to that, James is also my co-host on our podcast, The Empire Claps Back. So I just thought that it would be great conversation and some great content for us to share with you guys. Okay guys, without further ado, I got James Scott from Sabre Scouts here, and I'm just going to pick his brain a little bit, because James is a Yankees fan, but in addition to being a Yankees fan, he is starting his own advanced metrics company. So James, what's up man, how you doing?
1: Oh man, it has been a busy week, I saw Infinity War, the Yankees have been winning like mad, and uh, my girl finally finished finals, so we were able to spend some time together. Everything is going well, my friend.
0: Life is good over there on the on the left coast for for the Scots, huh?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's nice out here in Arizona, you know.
0: Yeah, man, it's good. It's gonna good. have no complaints over here in uh, Orlando. But Yankees are uh, absolutely on fire. They um, <laughs> the only thing that could stop them is probably Thanos at this point. They have winners of sixteen of seventeen, and it's really just been great to watch, and you and I, you know, you know, locked on Yankee fans really uh, don't don't know, but James and I, we are co-hosts on our podcast Empire Claps Back, and we've envisioned this for a very long time. So this is just making us borderline tear up.
1: Yeah, you know, we've we've been following these guys for a very very long time, and we've specifically been looking at this year, and uh, with this team coming together. Us following up the prospects coming up from the minor leagues like i have an, an emotional attachment to these guys i love the gap the gap playing right field the big boy the judge i love him i love i love dee, 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 dee. oh my god i love them all oh man we got we got such a great team it's fantastic
0: yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's just a bunch of homegrown guys, and the Yankees are getting contributions from all over the place. So, so like we said, the Yankees took the first game from the Red Sox last night. And and no matter what, this team is just finding different ways to win. Now, the hitting hasn't really been there, and, and this, this the latter portion of this streak has been driven by clutch pitching and clutch hitting uh, from a lot of the younger guys. But if we're going to find some things that maybe we could nitpick – I'm going to say one of those things is Gary Sanchez's receiving behind the plate.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of people have been uh, talking about that, saying that, you know, I've seen on, 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 on online people are talking about even Austin Romine taking over and moving Sanchez to DH. That's a little bit extreme, guys. However, Sanchez is a young catcher. We saw he took some pretty big steps earlier in the year in defense. Now he's taking a couple back. You know, this is just bumps in the road, and honestly – for one of the most talented catchers behind the plate, uh, I mean, he is really he is he's bought, he, he's the best catcher in the American League. Even with the defense being as it is, I think we should accept the star that we got behind the plate and take the the, the growth in defense as it comes. Honestly, uh, he's he's going to be behind that plate for a very very long time, and it's not like he's it's not like he's any worse than Posada.
0: You know, that, that's really interesting, and that's what I was going to get into next, but just to play devil's advocate here a little bit, Gary already has six pass balls, and it's just not even the pass balls. A lot of them, you know, if there could be more, honestly. Honestly, I think that there could possibly even be four, maybe even six more. It's just that, you know, it's if it hits the dirt, it's scored a wild pitch. Now, Gary's lost some weight, and, you know, his struggles aren't from a lack of effort, but. You know, he's he's given the team, the, the the opposition, the opposing team, more opportunities. Just look at last night. Severino had to throw, I believe it was 17 extra pitches in that. Severino had to strike out three people in that inning. He had to get four outs. And that's just one time. And we go back to the Houston series when he couldn't catch the, the Chapman fastball. Now, I'm not going to say that that's easy because, you know, it, it's been in a blind spot and it seems as if Gary just gets put in these worse spots. I've never seen a catcher... You know, lose the ball like that so many times, but again, Chapman had to work harder, and you know, the Yankee, you know, Chapman ended up blowing away Altuve, but that could have been worse too. So, 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 what do you say to that?
1: Well, you know, honestly, if we're talking about specifically, you know, the Yankees pitchers, I mean, we got to also remember, it's not like Gary Gary Sanchez is catching the Kansas City Royals here. It's, you know, he's catching some of the more high caliber breaking balls in in the sport. You, you know, uh, we're talking about but specific hammer curveball that almost always hits the plate. We're talking about guys like Chapman who can throw 102, 103-plus miles an hour and then can hit you with that, you know, 90-mile-an-hour, you know, uh, whether it's a a change-up or, you you know. So, specifically with the Yankees, there's so much speed variance and there's so much break. The Yankees' pitching staff is striking out everyone. They have been doing this for years. That... The growth is going to be a lot more rough with a guy like Sanchez here than it would be with a normal catcher of his ability. Um, Like I said, you know, we just got to sit through this, and I think he's going to become a better catcher for it. And to be fair, if our pitchers can learn to work through when their defense lets them down, it'll make them tougher too. Okay, yeah.
0: I, I definitely think that, but I I, I kind of want to know what it is, and and this is, and this is important because I do feel Gary Sanchez is a cornerstone player. You know, obviously he's not gonna, you know, have, an, have a on base percentage of under three hundred, and he's not gonna hit under two hundred for an average. So I'm kind of just waiting for him to, you know, c- kind of correct that. I feel like he's swinging from his heels a lot this season early on. But New something, one day something definitely needs to happen because it's a lack of focus. I think. And you know that that's that's plagued Gary, for you know going all the way back to the minor leagues. So I'm not really sure how the Yankees can correct that. They've gotten rid of almost everyone that that I would trust them to to help Gary figure it out. You know, you got rid of two really good defensive catchers. You know, uh, um you know, when they were players, and Tony Pena and Joe Girardi. And then uh, in an under-the-radar move that not many people outside of the organization know, they allowed Josh Paul, who was the catching coordinator, to become a bench coach for the for the um, Los Angeles Angels. So how do the Yankees go about correcting this?
1: Uh, you know, it, it's going to sound a little odd, but I think, you know, you either got to go out and see if you can bring in you know, a better backup catcher than Romine. I'm sorry, guys. I, You can do better. You can do better than Romine. Romine, he needs a chance to play every day and grow as a player. And we need a better backup catcher that could help mentor uh, Gary. Honestly, I understand when we traded McCann, but he would have really been the best fit to, to tutor Gary here. Um, I think that's probably the way to go here. If we're looking at the rest of the team's bench, the rest of the team's bench and starting players, That's all championship caliber. The only player, in my opinion, who's not quite up to sniff is our backup catcher. He's not a Jose Molina. So I think if we get someone back there, that could kind of help move this uh, process forward a lot faster than it is. Um, But also, you know, as we've seen with Stanton, with bigger players, sometimes it takes, you know, quite a few games for them to be able to move as fast as they they are in midseason and and do these kind of plays. So it also could still be an early season thing. We are in the first couple of months of the year. So, uh, you know, that could contribute to it as well. Gary's huge for a catcher. He's very muscular and muscle weighs a lot more than fat.
0: Absolutely, And,
1: uh, yeah, so he's, you know, I, I understand it, especially with a guy like him. But, like, really, if he was going to struggle back there as a catcher with his size and strength, That's the only thing that you could really see him struggling with. He's even framing pitches well, uh, which, you know, he's not getting very much credit for. So uh, I just think uh, with this, it's going to take time. It's going to take tutelage, but it's not something that's a long-term concern for me.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm just going to say that I disagree a little bit right now, and I'm going to present an idea to you, and I want you to tell me what you think about it because, I am going to say that Romine is one of the the, the best backup catchers across baseball. If if you look through, um, you know, you look through his numbers right now, and again, it's obviously a small sample size. Romine is slashing 286, 375, and 371. Obviously, he does not possess the cannon that Gary Sanchez has, and, you you know, between you and I, we both know that maybe only a handful of catchers do right now. Off the top of my head, I can't even think maybe Jan Gomes and Salvi Perez, but... I think that Roman, if you look across baseball, there are a lot of teams that would take Austin Romine as their starter, let alone their backup catcher. So how about I present, yeah, so what if I present this idea to you? Roman becomes the everyday catcher because I don't know what is wrong with Brett Gardner. He looks like second half Brett Gardner in the first half, and that is not good. So, and we've already seen, uh, again, it's a small sample size. What if Giancarlo Stanton hits better when he's playing the field? We turn center field into a platoon situation with Hicks and Gardy. We give Stanton more time in left field. Gary, UDH, figure that out right now. And Austin Romine, whatever you give us is gravy, but we know that you're going to call a great game. And the the pitchers, especially Sonny Gray, who we could touch on a little bit, um, is just going to have more confidence. What would you say to that?
1: Well, Austin Romine, whenever he's put in an everyday role, uh, first off, he does really, really well and then the league kind of adapts. And then he struggles for a long period of time. He needs a team that will play him every single day for the whole season in order for him to emerge. Now the thing is, similarly, Gary Sanchez needs to play on a a regular basis for a catcher uh, in order to get better at these things. So I think he's really the guy to keep back there. I do like that idea of giving Stanton more time in the field because he's He's used to that sort of thing, but I also feel like the last game against Boston, you know, where he basically single-handedly won it for us in Yankee Stadium, you know, as the first game of the Boston series, I don't think there's any pressure on him anymore. There's nothing more pressure-filled than the first game in a Boston series in Yankee Stadium in a packed packed house like this when the season's like this, you know, so I think Stanton's hitting is just going to really take off from here. That's my personal opinion. And I also think that a guy like Hicks being a switch hitter, he personally needs to play every day. Gardner's been concerning me, uh, but the one thing that we know is Gardner gets hot and cold and hot and cold. And, you know, he could heat up at any moment in time. However, if this does continue, given that Gardner is going to be out of, he's not going to be on the team after the year, his contract's up, unless they re-sign him, I would not mind using Gardner as a fourth outfielder, using him against, like, uh, especially in, in late innings, both either on the bases as a pinch hitter or even in the games that he's regularly starting, you can still use him at the top of the lineup. Get him 450 plate appearances. You don't need to get him 600 because that's when he tires out. And then you're able to get Clint Frazier into the lineup, and I guarantee you Clint is going to hit twice as well as Gardner. We just need to make sure that Clint Frazier's all the way back from his concussion. And Omari, do you have any news on that by the way?
0: Uh yeah, yeah. So Clint, yeah, Clint's been he he was promoted last week and uh he you know he's been hitting pretty well. I don't have his numbers like directly right in front of me. But yeah, I, the games that I've seen, I, I watched him when he was here in Tampa. He's putting good wood on the ball. He's playing center field so the Yankees are definitely, you know, they want him to be versatile and I do think that the Yankees they're not really worried right now. <clears throat> but they are going to you know they they're not going to continue to try to Aaron Hicks hitting 230 and Brett Gardner hitting under 200. So the fact that they're even putting Clint Frazier in center field and this is the first time that he's played center field uh since coming over in the deal from Cleveland cuz he was a center fielder with them as uh, as you and I know and this is actually pretty cool. You're smiling because you think that he can play center field. I and, I do. Yeah, and I don't. I do. and I, yeah, I don't. I don't doubt that his. You know, and and, and again, it, it's funny because I always say this too. It's not that he doesn't have the physical tools to play center field. I think that he does not track the ball well enough, but that can be taught also.
1: Exactly, and 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 that's kind of where I'm coming from. You know. Uh, when he was with uh, Cleveland, he, he was coming up as a, as a center fielder. He has the foot speed for it. When Clint Frazier was in the major leagues last year, we were able to measure his foot speed, which is measured in feet ran per second in a player's fastest one second window. It was fairly straightforward. It's not a complicated stat. It's feet per second. You know, he's fast. Uh <laughs> And his numbers, he was nearly as fast in foot speed as Brett Gardner. He was as fast in foot speed as Mike Trapp. And, funny enough, he has a cannon of an arm from the outfield. So, he's a very smart player. He works harder than anyone. He's the proper size for center field, given that he's 5'11", 6'0". Uh Some say he's 6'1", but he's somewhere in there. Yeah. And he's got the speed and arm for it. He just needs reps. So I, I'm happy that they're using him in center field in the minors. Uh, my main theory, because I thought about this before the year, giving him reps in center field would be a brilliant idea. Because what if Hicks hitting last year? What if I was wrong? Because I love Hicks. I, I I will not I will not hide that. I think Hicks is a great player. I think you know his emergence last year was for real, but he just got hurt. Well, if Hicks gets hurt again, or if I'm wrong and Hicks isn't good. All of a sudden, you can put Clint Frazier into that lineup, and then off in the off season, you can go get Harper and put him in left field. And all of a sudden, you have a, a center fielder who's a middle of the order hitter, not a questionable hitter, not a guy who, you know, you know, any of. I love, as I said, I love Hicks, but we still don't hundred percent know because we haven't seen it over a full year. Um, it gives you more stability there. Now the problem is, is that it doesn't give you as good defense as you'd like. But you got to remember, even though Yankee Stadium center field, the left field is, is, is pretty big, I am of the belief that if you have enough foot speed to make up the, the ground, arm, if, gonna, if you have a cannon of an arm, it's going to make that much more of a difference. I'd rather have a center fielder or an outfielder in general who had slightly above average speed but a cannon than a guy who had the league leading speed, but a noodle, because you can get to the ball, you know, as fast as you can with your feet, but that ball is going to get back to the infield a lot faster. Okay. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I think I think those are good points. And Clint Frazier, you know, I'm just glad that the Yankees are like, you know, being, you know, just warming up to the idea of moving a lot of these guys around because as they've seen, you know, a lot of things can change, and you really, you know, you have to prepare for everything. Uh, just to touch on Brett Gardner really quick, I think that he's running into a little bit of bad luck too, because you know I'm, I'm just using the eye test and I you know and and as we always say we you know we use the eye test and then we also use the metrics. His Babbitt right now, so Babbitt batted on balls in play right now is it's it's kind of terrible. He's he's a three he's at 313 for his career Babbitt. Right now he's at 256. So I mean and wow. his yeah in the last few years just going from 2015 down. He's been from 312, 310, 300. Now he's at 256. Obviously, this is a very small sample size, and we know that you know baseball, all it takes is one you know one hot streak, and he could be right back. But honestly, I think that um, Gardner might just be wearing down. Because the, the I am way,
1: concerned.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely concerned right now. But just like with everything else, the Yankees, I feel like, they, they, they've done such a good job to solidify that, you know that you know the 25 man roster is always going to be decent for the Yankees but that, but those 25 to 40 guys have been clutched this year and now even if you look at it we could talk about Brandon Drury a little bit right now he can play a little bit of left field
1: well one of the big things that I want to mention with Drury is that Drury's going to be able to get used in a plethora of of places but with regards to Gardner there was a concern that I had because I believe the year before last year, he had his first down year. And sometimes when players are starting down that, you know, that eventual path to being more part-timers, sometimes they'll have that down year where they hit that real regression. And then the next year, they're uh, like, no, I'm not done. So the work is, which we know Gardner's skill is, and then they have a year where they're just as good. What I'm worried about is what if that was last year and he can't do it again this year? But the good thing is, is Frazier's around. So, you know, the worry... And Drury's around, as we said. So the worry, it's my gated. And with regards to Drury, I was looking at Drury's numbers. Drury had a great contact... Well, a good contact rate. Good exit velocity, and he hit all different kinds of pitches—fastballs, breaking balls, and off-speed pitches—fairly equally. Now that he's walking more, and granted, it's a limited, exp- you know, time, but it shows the plate discipline that he's capable of having. He might be getting better pitches to hit, and the big thing with Drury that we have always been talking about is his his launch angle, his uh, his swing changes. Well, the thing is. He, when he was with Arizona, everything he was hitting, no matter how hard it was hit, was into the ground. Now that he's hitting everything into the air, if he's hitting it as hard and he's picking better pitches, there could be a major breakout coming, especially with his age.
0: Yeah, yeah that's really interesting that you do that now because I feel like the Yankees are—you know—they have a lot of good problems, but they're going to find themselves in a bit of a conundrum with first base, third base, and then obviously with the outfield situation. So now I just want to get your take. Do you can you see a scenario of the Yankees moving on from Miguel and and Duhar because you know last week he was you know like maybe a week and a half ago he was the hottest hitter in all of baseball he came up and all of a sudden he was leading the league in extra base hits now you and I we, we both agree that his bat is going to make him a star and also the glove he has not hurt the Yankees at all with the glove could you see a scenario? Of the Yankees moving him for some pitching, and then them banking on Brandon Drury maximizing his potential.
1: Uh, sadly, yeah, I could totally see that happening. Um, it, it's tip, it, you know, right out of the Yankees book, really, if you think about it, because uh, they they've done this before, where uh, you know they'll bring up a guy who isn't quite ready, you know, like like well, look. Okay, Adahar is ready to be called up, but he's not ready to be a superstar. He's going to go through a growth period before he he turns into that. And that's, I guess, what we're seeing now. I mean, when he first came up from the minor leagues, there was a small little, you know, where I think he had to calm down and become the player that he was in the minors. And then he started being like, okay, well, I can hit pitches because everybody else around me is hitting. So he started, you know, really capitalizing on anything that they were giving him in the strike zone. So now pitchers are just not throwing him strikes or throwing him pitches that are, you know, going to be through the zone to out of the zone. And what he's doing is going through this period of time that he's gone through in AA, AAA, and now he's going through in the majors, where for the beginning of his career, or the beginning of the first time he's at any sort of level, He goes through a period of about 100 to 150 at-bats where he hits so much weak contact that it keeps his numbers down. But the thing is, this version of Andahar is a lot better than those versions of Andahar. So I think even though he's going to go through this uh, period of of adapting, I still think he's going to be able to hold at league average. And I do like what I've seen from him defensively. Uh, The thing I do want to mention, though, is... Given that Brandon Drury just made these swing changes, and the league hasn't adjusted to that kind of stuff, and that Cashman was so adamant about him being the third baseman, I think that even when Drury comes back, you, you know, as I said, he can play a whole bunch of positions if the team goes that, that way, then I can understand him getting enough at-bats. But I can also see him getting enough at-bats from an on trade or from an Andahar, you know, possibly moving him over to first if something happens to Bird. Because Bird keeps getting hurt if we're being real. And to be fair, with Andahar's reactions and arm at first, he might be the best first baseman in the league once he figures out all the nuances.
0: Yeah, because it'll be different angles and things like that. And it's just interesting that you do bring that up, too. But speaking of Bird, um, uh, the Yankees announced today that he's going to start his rehab excitement here in Tampa, so yours truly will be there this weekend to get some eyes on Bird, and hopefully we have some good news. And then, um, you know, what else is going to happen, too? Eventually, the Yankees are going to have to make a decision on Neil Walker, who's actually been a part of every late-inning rally, either with a strikeout getting on base or a walk, and it's been back-to-back doubles, too, so that's also good, too. But when Bird comes back, it's going to create a- another problem, because Neil Walker and Tyler Austin. So that's uh, another problem at the Yankees, a good problem. But, again, you know, again, both of us, we do think that Greg Bird, when he's healthy, we always say that he hits. I actually got that from you. That's why any time that, you know, I see that he's hitting a bomb in extended spring training or, or, you know, a rehab assignment, that means that he's healthy, honestly. Yep. So, so, I mean, that's going to also be interesting to see, too. So out of Neil Walker and Tyler Austin, who do you think uh, gets squeezed out?
1: Um. All right. So here's my here's my take. All right. I think Neil Walker's our version of Ben Zobrist from the left side, <laughs> just for this year, really. Because look, you don't want him batting from the other side of the plate. And we understand Zobrist is a switch hitter and Walker's a switch hitter, but really, you don't. You want Walker on the left side of the plate. Plain simple. Uh. But the thing is, Walker can play third, second, first, left field, and he can probably fake right field. But look, we got Stanton and Judge. There's no reason to even try that. We also have Hicks. Um, So I personally love his versatility. I love that he can give a whole bunch of people days off. I love that he provides a decent bat that you can plug into your lineup. I like that he walks. I like that he's a veteran. And I like that specifically he's a veteran that does all of the little things the way that Gardner does. Uh, Walks, lowers his strikeout rate on a yearly basis. Uh, hits for power, hits enough batting average, gets on base. You know he may not be the f- most fleet of foot, but he knows how to uh, uh, run the bases because of, he's been in the league. Every he's been in the league for for years and years and years. And actually, if you look at Neil Walker's uh, statistics, he's been consistent every year in the league. He's been every year in the league. He's been above average at hitting every year in the league. He's been healthy. Um, so I think he's a great stabilizer off the bench. And with regards to Tyler Austin, I think Tyler Austin is probably just going to get a roster squeeze. I love the guy, but he's probably just going to get squeezed to AAA. Uh, and I think he has one more option, right? This is his last option this year. This you know, because that's you know, for those of you who don't understand how options work, um, a player can burn through three minor league options, and if you use one, then you can use that minor league option for the entire year, sending the player down and up from the major leagues. Um, However, once you've burned through the three options, you cannot send a player down without basically throwing them through waivers. So any team can kind of take a shot at them.
0: Oh, gotcha. And and actually, Tyler – sorry, I got Tyler Wade on my mind. I need to get off my man crush on Tyler Wade. But Tyler Austin, um, he's actually increased his value a little bit too. So I could actually see the Yankees maybe moving him for maybe a lefty or a part of a package for – so, you know, maybe a lefty specialist. Um, I would love a guy normally, like I would love a normally guy. Normally like I agree here. Hand.
1: Normally yeah. I agree here, but there's only one reason why I don't. And uh, that's particularly why Tyler Austin, okay, before this year, Tyler Austin had no value, okay? Tyler Austin, he hasn't played very much, and a lot of people on other teams will argue that because it's such a short sample size, it's not enough to give him value. In addition to that, Bird gets injured all the time. If Bird continues to get injured all the time, Austin provides great insurance, and Stanton's not going to be at at, you know you know regularly every single day the DH. They're going to use him in the field. So personally, I think you keep Tyler Austin around as insurance, uh, and if Bird gets hurt again, you have a guy you can plug in. And not only do you have a guy that you can plug in, you can increase his value then. You can use someone else as the trade chip who has more value. And on top of that, even if Tyler Austin is only like a plug and play guy where he's good for you for a year, but you don't want that long term at first base, that's fine because he's not getting paid anything. And he's still going to give you above average offense of the position.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I was thinking more in terms of Tyler Austin, you know, development because he probably doesn't have. Uh... A spot that's a good forward. point good yeah, point yeah i'm just in terms of development like he's done all that he like he's gonna mash triple a pitching we've known that you know he's been mashing scranton for at least the better part of a couple seasons now so i just thought that all oh, you know that just opens up more opportunities for brandon jury or you know or miguel andujar but but yeah but um another guy i want to talk to before um i let you run Domingo Herman now he was my dark horse I wanted him to be the sixth guy and I love when guys prove me right but in Domingo Herman's last 13 innings he's only allowed one run um, you know unless you guys missed missed his uh, first start he basically took he took a no- hitter into the seventh and it was just he was he was just lights out struck out nine and it was just great to see and it was against the Indians too so it wasn't a you know it wasn't a uh, you know an easy lineup so um so what could we realistically... Like, Can we continue to, you know, expect this from these kids? Because these are kids.
1: Well, okay. With regards to Herman, first off, I've been paying a lot less attention to specifically pitching. As I say, on Saber Scouts, we have people who kind of concentrate on their own things. And, you know, like... Uh, well, you're now part of Saber Scouts, so, you know, you, you... Yeah, so we all have our own things, right? And specifically... My specialty is regarding position players. So you actually picked up on Domingo Herman a lot before me. Um, I was a fan of him, uh, but I didn't quite realize how good he was. Um, I always viewed him as kind of like a Jarrell Cotton type pitcher, who basically what you're dealing with with a Jarrell Cotton type pitcher is about a strikeout in an inning, uh, not walking anyone, But can only make it about five innings each time out because the third time through the order you get absolutely lit up. But as we've seen from Herman, you know, if you're looking at like you know, I go way deep into the stats, way deeper than most people, uh, and you're looking at things like the the spins on the ball, the rotations, you know, he gets so much rotations on his pitches um, that like really it makes his, his, his it makes until the last moment. It makes his fastball, breaking ball, and changeup all seem like a similar pitch because they're all coming out of the same uh, tunnel, if you will. And um, honestly, if he learns how to work this approach, which with the way the Yankees teach that approach at the big league uh, level, in case you you Yankee fans haven't noticed, in recent years, the Yankees have not been throwing as many fastballs. And this is in adjustment to the rest of the league getting really good at hitting fastballs. So, uh, with Herman coming up to the big leagues, his worst pitch was his fastball despite the fact that it's still a good pitch. It's 96, 95, 96 mile an hour at best. Heater, you sake? know? So, uh, But the thing is, he's been working more off his breaking pitches ever since he's been promoted to the big leagues. And the fact is, this has always been a guy who can throw his breaking pitches for strikes. So, This could be a guy where what they're doing at the big league level allows him to be effective that last time through the order, so that he can be, you know, a a, a number, a, a number two, number number three starter somewhere in between. And some people even hope for better. But I think you know what we're dealing with is a is a very high upside arm, where if they treat what they got the right way, they might be able to maximize him. Into being a good number two behind Sevi. And the thing is, he's not going to be the number two because Tanaka's better than him. And Gray might be just as good as him. So, uh, and then, you know, you got CeCe who, in a must win game, in any important game. By the way, before we go, I want to give CeCe credit because over the last three years, he's gone from being that a uh, uh, pitcher thrower that he was for us, that ace. You know, the combination of having the stuff to be a pitcher. And also the stuff to be a thrower, you know, the the intelligence to be a pitcher and the stuff to be a thrower. He has fully converted into being one of those veteran arms that when they really want to, can still be as good as they ever were. And in my opinion, that's still an ace. If you can win your must-win games, any games that you want just by trying harder, that's the top of your game. So as long as CeCe's able to retain this level of production, his ERA is going to be in, like, the 3.4s, 3.5s, which is not that far away from what he was doing in 2011 and 2012 when he was with us. So the fact that Herman's probably going to be the number five guy, I mean, sorry, Montgomery, you know? Like, Montgomery's good on his own right. I think he deserves a little bit of a shout-out too, you know? So. Yeah. It is what it is. We got pitching.
0: Yeah, honestly, I, I've been a big fan of Herman. My only thing is, were his secondary pitches because his fastball acts like a sinker because it has so much movement. So it's between ninety four. He sits ninety four to ninety six and can touch ninety eight. So that's why I was always, always a big fan of his. Um, the curveball left me kind of worried, but if you notice now, he's playing off, just like you said. You, you're, yeah, you're one hundred percent correct, and I'm sure Yankees fans because it, you know, we've seen different. Um, graphics that show the Yankees and the Astros have the highest, uh, you know, obviously the two probably best rotations in baseball right now have the highest usage of breaking pitches. And the key to Herman is his changeup. His changeup pretty much comes from the same slot as his fastball, but it's coming almost 10 miles per hour slower. So his success depends on his changeup. And obviously we're going to have to see and wait till the league gets a little bit more, you know, film and tape on him to determine how, how real this stuff is. But, you know, the early signs of Domingo Hamon is is definitely, you know, it, it's definitely looking fruitful. One more question I have for you before I let you go and before we, uh, you know, just touch on Sabres guys a little bit. Can this team get better?
1: Absolutely. Now, that that's the most terrifying part because we haven't seen Stanton at full strength. We haven't seen Bird back, and we know what Bird can do. We saw it for the last, like, what, two, three, two and a half months, whatever, last year. Um, you know, Didi has already – He's done. Like he, if if Didi continues what he's doing, even with the little regression that's happening and everything, even with expected regression in general, uh, we're going to be fine there. Whether it's Andahar or Dr- I mean, Andahar hasn't even fully adapted to the league. And if they decide to have Andahar play every day, and they decide to keep using Drury around the diamond as the sort of right-handed bench complement to Walker. If they give Andahar every day at bat. And he gets finished with that 100 200 at bat growth period. It's important to remember that even though he's gone through those growth periods, at every level he even went through those growth periods after he figured the league out, he still hit on the year enough to be 28 to 30 percent above the league average. So, second half, like monster push from Andahar, if we still have him. Uh, again, that's another bat in the order. And, um, as we've seen from judge, judge has been using all fields. Judge has been striking out less, but we haven't seen the same kind of power, you know, in play, at least yet that we saw last year. And I feel like as the summer goes on, we're going to even see more of that. I think Frazier's is twice the, the hitter that, uh, the offensive player in general that Gardner is, you know, I don't think. Uh, half our bullpen's been hurt, hasn't it? Or at least ineffective for most of the year.
0: Ineffective and hurt at different points, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, you know, uh, Tanaka is capable of doing what he did in the second half last year for an entire season, and that could start up at any point in time because it's still early in the year. Sonny Gray, he just started to look like he's figuring it out. Once, he, you know, he started facing, you know, the top competition, maybe that's what made him dial in. But, I mean, it just seems to me that. This team is incredible now, but they there is, there's a lot of room for them to get better.
0: Yeah, and uh, that alone is scary, especially when you consider that they've won 16 of 17 games. Before I let you go, James, tell us a little bit about Sabre Scouts and kind of what Kind of what it is, and what it is now, and what it will be, and uh, go into a little bit of how you do, because you specialize in, you know, you mentioned it before, positional players, projections, and breakdowns. So, what are you know, give us a couple things that you use to um, make these projections and determinations, and and explain to the people what Saber Scouts is.
1: Okay, so we we address baseball basically completely different than the majority. Um, it was inspired by a lot of thinking of uh, from scouts like actually talking with scouts and then also talking with people who kind of start seeing the game in different ways, like Bill James. Now, basically, our idea is we can look at home runs. We can look at average. We can look at all of that, but that's all production. We want to see how good the athlete is, foot speed, swing speed at the moment, their swing, you know, their, their, their bat hits the ball, you know, and also the process that they go through. Is this somebody who – knows how to work the count, who stays swinging at pitches inside the strike zone versus outside the strike zone, and we also look at how often players swing. So we're looking at all sorts of different variables. There's a bunch that I didn't name, but that explain an athlete's process at the plate, as well as their physical ability. And we feel if we understand that, then we will just understand who is better than who, and the statistics will kind of just follow. Um... As of what the site is right now, mainly it's a Yankee page. There's tons of Yankee fans on there. If you want to stop by and just chat with us, we're always around. Uh, we, we do encourage bringing more people from other fan bases around because eventually we're trying to branch out to make sure that every fan base is in the site and in on it and everything. Uh, we have knowledge for from every single team and everything. But uh, that's mainly our, our way of going about things. We, we want to build a way of studying ball players that is both addressing their mental process, what they do at the plate, uh, uh, through their actions. And eventually we want to really start incorporating physics into it, similar to what ESPN does with that whole sports science segment that they have. So uh, that's where we're going, and that's where we are. And if you want in, Come on in.
0: Okay. Awesome. Let the people know where they can find you.
1: Oh, yeah. You can find me on New York Yankees Daily. You can find me on Yankees, uh, yeah, New York Yankees Daily. You can find me on New York Yankees Discussion Group. You can find me on Saber Scouts. And, you know, if you want to send me a message, uh, I will occasionally uh, talk to you guys on my Facebook as well. Just don't don't be weird. You know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) definitely, definitely. And just just for clarification, those uh, groups are on Facebook. James is not on Twitter, but uh, maybe with some, you know, nudging from myself and you guys, we can get him on here. James, as always, man, I love talking with you. Uh, I think you give a great perspective. And, um, yeah, guys, so this was James Scott, man. Thank you.
1: Thank you, man. I love being on this.
0: Awesome. I'll talk to you soon, buddy.
1: See ya.